We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. So we're looking at what's famously known as the Lord's Prayer this morning. So turn with me to Matthew 6. And I'm just going to read verses 5 through 15. This is right on the heels of Jesus saying, hey, be careful not to like practice your good deeds in front of other people so that they'll think you're great. So in verse 5, he says, so whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask them. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus went on to say, For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. This is God's word. Father, we ask that you would help us to, though these are familiar words, to see them with fresh eyes this morning. God, that you would help us not to just tune out something that sounds so familiar that we think we know and understand, but to actually open up our hearts and our minds to receive you speaking to us this morning. That's essential. So many years ago, when I had more hair here and less hair here, and I was in around fifth grade, my siblings and I were getting our shoes on, getting ready to walk to school. And while we were putting our shoes on, my stepbrother said something about his ingrown toenail that was just driving him nuts and how painful it was to put a sock and a shoe on. And in order to be like a, you know, a, a leader as an older brother, I said, hey, be thankful for that toenail. And then I proceeded to tell him a story that I don't remember ever happening to me, but I was told happened to me by my mom. So when we were young, we went camping, and there was some guy who went camping with us. I don't know why this guy was there. And he was doing target practice shooting some cans. And the story goes that from my mom that I was standing a little too close, and one of the cans, after the bullet hit it, flew into the air and landed right on my big toe, And I ended up losing my toenail. True story. So she says, whether it's true or not, I might use in another sermon illustration some other time. It's not the point. The point is she said, don't tell your dad that this happened because I never told him about it. My parents were divorced. This happened on a camping trip when my dad was not present. So I'm telling this story to my stepbrother, my stepsister, and my brother. And they're like, what? That's crazy. And I'm like, I know. I guess it grew back. And I, I don't remember it. But And then I look up, and my dad's right there. He was supposed to be at work, but he stayed home sick that day. And I just see him staring at me. It's like, 
what are you talking about? It became a whole thing. The point of the story is not whether or not it's true. It's probably not true. The point of the story is that your dad's always listening, kids. It's my son. Dad's always listening. All right, that's probably one of the worst setups and segues into what we're talking about. But here's, here's the thing. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches how to pray. I've been around uh, church settings for a long time. And that's often a thing is like, I just, I don't feel comfortable praying in public. Like, I don't know how to pray. Jesus teaches us. It's pretty awesome, right? But he starts it with this premise. You have a father who hears you. Now, that's not the scary thing like I just shared from my story of like, oh, dad just heard me. This is going to cause some trouble, right? It's not the thing that like I was guilted with by my own parents when I was growing up of like, hey, be careful. Jesus sees you. Lord's watching, right? And it was like a scary thing, like, oh, I better stay in line. No, no, no. When Jesus uses that, he's saying it with such grace, with such love, with such affirmation, with such encouragement. You have a father who hears you, who sees you. Come to him that way. That's, I mean, before we even get into the words of the prayer, that's where we start. That's the posture. You have a good dad. I know, I know that that imagery of father, like in our culture, it's so convoluted. It, it, it's just a mixed bag, right? There's, there's maybe some good things, maybe a lot of bad things in each of our stories with that. We have a really good dad. He hears us. And it's not that, hey, you better watch out, your dad hears you. It's that he already knows your needs before you even ask him. He sees your need. He hears what's going on in your heart. Come to your father like that. So then Jesus begins to give a model of prayer. And this is not a script. Be honest, how many of you heard the old English words as I was reading it, right? Our father who art in heaven. And I was like, his name art? Does he do arts and crafts in heaven? What does that, what does it even mean, art? Like, we don't speak that way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? You guys, did you hear that when I was reading it? It's hard not to, isn't it? And so not only do we have very familiar words that you just hear over and over and over again, like even people who aren't religious have heard those words before, but then it's like coming from another language, so it's hard to understand. So oftentimes we are familiar with this prayer, but we have no idea what it's really saying. So, again, with fresh eyes, and this is why I was choosing, not only because we don't say things like thou and thy, but choosing a translation that maybe would slightly throw that off for you guys so that we can hear it fresh. And so this is a a model prayer. It's a posture of prayer. It's not a script. Jesus isn't saying every time you pray, make sure you pray these exact words, right? We're told in scripture elsewhere, one of Jesus' followers writes a letter and he says, hey, pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Does that mean you're like on this repeat feedback loop repetitiously? Oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be. Like, no. But this is a posture Jesus is giving us. Come to your Father who hears you and sees you, who knows you, who knows your need, and come with this posture. First, Recognize who you're talking to. Our Father 
like the Jewish people at this point, they had all kinds of names, all kinds of titles for God, for Yahweh. But Jesus is the one who says, call him our father. Jesus, the son of God, who comes and has this intimate relationship with the father says, hey, you're part of this now. Come join in with me. He's our dad. He's our daddy. If you guys have been around people who have adopted children or if you maybe were adopted yourself, you know in our culture, like, unfortunately, not always do parents who adopt do a perfect job of treating their adopted children the same as their birth children, right? I've seen a model in this congregation, in this church family, of the opposite, where it's just an unbiased love. This is now my child. What a beautiful picture. And if you can do that as a human being, blows it all the time, and I know that's true because I'm a human being, and blow it all the time. How much more our Father in heaven, how much more God, the perfect being, creator of all the universe, when he adopts us in as brother and sister with Jesus, like, that's mind-blowing. This is what Jesus is saying. Our Father, he's wrapping us into his identity. He's calling us family. You can go to my father, and he's now your father. Our father in heaven, may your name be honored as holy. So there's this twofold reality of who we're going to, who we're addressing. This intimate dad relationship, and also the holy one in heaven, whose name should be honored throughout all the earth. Have you guys ever been on a phone call and forgot who you're talking to? I remember one time years ago, I was talking to somebody at work. I was working at a bank, and I was on the phone with the customer. And then I said, okay, love you, bye. Because I got in such a habit of doing that with my wife. All right, love you, bye. <laughs> that was awkward. I mean, I, I guess I kind of love you, but not, <laughs> not that intimately. How, how often do we, when we're in prayer, forget who we are? forget that we have a dad we can come or maybe you're on the other error that you forget how holy and righteous and amazing and incredibly powerful and magnificent this god is like holding those two things together in tension just in the first line this is the creator of all the universe who's holy and perfect you go to him as you We could just spend all morning talking about that, right? But that's his setup. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. And then he says this. This is our posture of prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when we first started in the Beatitudes, how there were lots of different groups coming to this teaching. Lots of different people coming with an idea of what it would look like for God to come and restore the kingdom of Israel for them, right? Some of them would want to do it by force, to go battle against Rome. Some of them would want just to run away and hide out in the mountains and create their own utopia. All kinds of different views of that. And Jesus is saying, listen, the kingdom of God, that's what we're looking for. And we're praying that that kingdom would reign here on earth just like it does in heaven. 
this is a great reminder for us because if you grew up anywhere around the church in America, in my era, in my time, you probably heard similar things, right? You, you maybe got similar images that one day we're just going to float away from here so it doesn't matter what happens. God, take me now because this place is a mess. It's falling apart, right? That's not how Jesus calls us to pray. He says, pray that God's kingdom, just as it is in the heavens, would reign here on this earth. That we are crying out for, wanting, desiring for God to be with us. For God's ways to be our ways. For God's economy to reign over our economy. For God's government to reign in place of our government. We want God's kingdom here on earth. And there's a missional aspect in that too, that Jesus is inviting us into. It's not just praying, but he's saying, if this is true, if this is really what God's people want, wouldn't you live that way? Wouldn't you live in a way where you want to show people a glimpse of what God's kingdom looks like here on earth? I I love that a lot of churches are starting to adopt this kind of mantra where they're, they're just putting, inserting one little word there instead of earth. Because they're contextualizing it and they're making it personal. Like, in Phoenix, as it is in heaven. Like, would that be our prayer? Would Phoenix start to be transformed? Not because we're great and not because of the work we're doing, but because of Jesus, his spirit working through us, his kingdom, we would get a little glimpse of that here in Phoenix. When you start to hear stories about what's going on, in Afghanistan, what's going on in Haiti, like stuff all over the world, may that also be our prayer. Like it it should be personal here with our neighbors, but also we know we have a God who's bigger than the whole world. He wants his kingdom to rule and reign over all earth. May your kingdom come and will be done here on earth, just like it is in heaven. Why? Because that's the way it was supposed to be yet. That when God created all things and he steps down out of the heavens onto the earth and he walks and talks with the first two humans and he's like showing them, look at this cool thing I made and here's how you take care of it. And he invites them into a partnership with him to have dominion. That means to have authority over the earth as his representatives, ones made in his image. He invites them into this partnership and he's present there on the earth. It's like in that garden, in Eden, at the beginning, in Genesis and creation, heaven and earth were overlapping. And it was our rebellion saying, we don't want to live in your kingdom. We can create our own little kingdoms, wear our own little crowns, and decide for ourselves what's right and what's not right. That broke all that. And so the whole earth was filled no longer with the glory of God, but with the brokenness of humans. And Jesus is saying, I've come to restore that, to repair that, to fix what you have broken. I will reunite heaven and earth once more. Pray for that. Watch for that. Live like you want that. Amen? After all that, recognize who you're talking to. Come to him like he's a a dad who actually wants his kids to come to him. Right? Like that picture when Jesus is out there teaching and all these little kids are running up to him, and his disciples, his followers, are like, hey, 
get away, little kids. You're, you're in the way. You're obnoxious. Let Jesus do his thing. And Jesus goes, no, let these little kids come to me. Like, that's, that's the father we have in heaven. That's his posture. He wants us to come to him, but he is the most powerful king over all creation. And we want his ways to be our ways. That's a good prayer right there. We could leave it. Then he allows us to start making requests. That's incredible. I don't know about you guys, but oftentimes my prayers are like, just like a grocery list. It's like, I, I need this checked off, God. I need this. Would you throw this in my shopping cart? God, could you do this for me? Like we've gotten through most of the prayer already and there hasn't been one request. But he does want us to make requests. So right after your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the end of verse 11, he says, give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need. We know that only you can provide it. I, I fool myself into thinking I'm going to go to work. I'm going to work with my own two hands, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in back-breaking labor, and I'm going to collect a paycheck, and I'm going to put food on the table. But who put breath in your lungs to get up out of bed that morning? Like everything we have is a gift from God. And God's people reminded of this way back in the Old Testament before Jesus showed up in skin. And they were wandering around in the wilderness and God said, hey, listen, you don't have anything to eat in the wilderness. There's nothing out here. I'm going to make bread fall from the sky. You guys remember that story? And they literally called it, what the? what manna means when you translate it. What? This is crazy. God's just raining bread down from the sky. And this is what he tells him. He says, hey, I want you to just take enough for each day. Just go collect from that bread what you need for today. Don't try to fill up more. And when they did, when they're like, oh, let's go get a little extra, what happened is it got all nasty and rotted, maggot infested. It was no good for them. They had to take just enough for each day because they had to trust that God was going to do the miracle again the next day. Faithful. Every time. Jesus is reminding them of their story, of their history. He's reminding them that they are a people in need. And he's reminding them that their father is a father who sees that need already and meets it. You can trust whatever your daily bread is, whatever the thing is you're right now going like, man, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. God already sees it. He knows it. Go to him like a dad who loves you. Talk. God, give us our daily bread. And forgive us. And here's the bigger need right here. You might need food each day, water. You might need a roof over your head. It gets to the deeper. I love Jesus always deeper and gets to the core of it, gets to the heart. Forgive us our debts. Maybe you're used to the translation of our trespasses. Uh, maybe a word that might make more sense to you is forgive us our sins. I like the idea of this translation here of our debts because what it means is like we have missed the mark and we are in debt to God. Like we, we owe. We can never pay it back. And Scripture uses this kind of imagery all the time because there's something called a bond servant, which was a person who had so much debt they owed to a person that they could never pay back. So what they did is they became enslaved, essentially, to that person, and they would work the rest of their life to pay this person back. 
the reality is we have such a debt we owe to God because of rebelling against his kingdom. We could never pay it back. But instead of making us slaves, he calls us children. He's forgiven our debts. God, forgive us of our debts as we also forgive those who are in debt to us. Every single one of us has someone in mind right now. Maybe you have too many people in mind you can't narrow it down. I don't know. Someone who's wronged you. Someone who's done you dirty. Someone you can't forgive. You just can't let go of this thing that happened that they said or they did to you. And we just, man, if we really like were alone with our thoughts, the things that we would like do to them in our head, right? The, the ways we would get back and get just had a conversation with one of my sons the other day who retaliated against a boy and he said, but he deserved it. That's, that's not the posture we want to have, son. You realize like when you did that, you hurt him. Yeah, but he deserved it. But I wanted to say like, what do you deserve? I, I've done this with my kids before and we, we ultimately get down to the deepest, darkest part. Of what do you deserve? You deserve death. I know, pro-parent tip, right? Use it. Because we that's what we all deserve. And when you recognize that that's what you deserve from your rebellion against the king of all creation, and yet he's forgiven all those debts and he's brought you in and made you family, like, man, how much more can you forgive someone who, out of their brokenness, out of their hurt, out of their traumas, out of them being wounded by other people, did something to you. Of course they did. Look at your own heart and you can see why. So he's reminding us we're all a mess. Thank God for grace. If it weren't for grace, you wouldn't be called a child of God. So you can extend that grace to others too. And finally, verse 13, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Another translation for that word there, and it's really iffy on like which word to use, um, but there's lots of debates over which word it should be translated to, because it could also be translated to testing, right, or trials. But the idea there is this, is there's two ways we can go. And this is all throughout the story, if you've been tracking with this. Uh, Psalm 1 starts off with this idea of there's two trees, right? The Isaiah, he picks up that same imagery and he talks about two trees. One that's planted by a stream and it's being nourished, filled, and it's bearing good fruit. And another one that is dead and rotting. It's producing thorns or bad fruit, chaff that gets blown away in the wind, right? And this imagery is, is repeated all throughout scripture. There are really two ways. There's the way in the garden to say, God, I trust you, you're king, whatever you say is right, I will follow. Or there's the way that happened, which is, no, no, I will take matters into my own hands and I will do what I think is right in my own eyes and it leads to destruction. And the prayer is, God, I no longer can determine what's right for myself. I need you to lead me out of temptation. I need you to lead me out of these trials. Because I don't know what I'm doing. Lead me out of that and lead me into your ways of life. Deliver me from the destruction of the evil one that comes when I fall into that trap. 
Guys, this is a prayer we need every single day. And again, I'm not saying you got to repeat these words verbatim every single day. It would start to lose its power. Like, it wouldn't mean anything to you anymore. But to have this posture every single day, that's the kind of people who need to be. And it's only by God's grace, as he invites us in and reminds us we're his children, we can do it. Jesus not only taught people to pray this way, he lived. He came to bring God's kingdom come. He, he announced God's kingdom is at hand when he showed up. Why? Because he's the king. And he started living in a way to show what the kingdom's like as he forgave people, as he even on the cross forgave people, right? The people who were murdering him, as he healed people, as he fed people. We're going to get to that story next. Such a good story. Again, bread out of nowhere. Who is this guy? The king has come. He's bringing the kingdom and he's inviting you and I in. But those who will stay out are those who think they don't need and they could lead themselves. They will lead themselves into destruction. So it's our prayer here, everyone in this room, everyone part of Missio, that we would submit our lives to Jesus, that we'd come to the Father like he's a dad who wants to welcome his children, but not just us. Again, Jesus is offering this model of a prayer as an invitation into his mission to go and share that with other people and invite them into that. You too can come and have a Father who knows you, who knows your needs before you can save That requires forgiveness, doesn't it? That person who came to your mind you talked about forgiving those who have hurt you. That that's someone Jesus wants to invite. Come say, our Father. 